This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 426 for Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Mr. Lou Page is back, co-host of Zombies 8, my podcast and busy zombie lord on all the social media that matters. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Getting a bit of snow. I know we're breaking the weather rule, but this is going to be the first, I think, decent snowstorm that hits both of us, uh, you being in Maine and me being in Nova Scotia. We had a dusting like two, three weeks ago, and it wasn't even an inch. It was like by afternoon, it was all gone. And I was worried I was going to have to shovel or snow blow. And I was like, oh, it's already gone. Never mind. On the weekend, we had um, we had a little bit of a snow on Sunday morning, but then we had a torrential downpour which if it had been snow would have coated the entire province uh over yep. the last couple of days but uh i'm kind of hoping that um we have a white christmas it's been rare the last few years with you know global warming and temperature shifting and uh being on the coast in nova scotia and you might even be able to attest to this as well um i just i find that it's kind of a, a coin toss whether you get like a foggy christmas <laughs> or whether you get uh a, like a white christmas it, 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 for us, it's either snow or slush. So you either get a really nice white Christmas or you just get slush everywhere. I found that more often than not, we won't have snow like on Christmas, Christmas Day. But like then the week between Christmas and New Year's when everybody's off, there's usually some sort of snow. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't um, I don't want, you know, dangerous driving for people traveling and all that kind of nonsense but you know just enough snow to kind of make it nice and, and pretty and a lot of my neighbors have their christmas lights up and i don't i don't know if it's too early for people to start talking about christmas and stuff like that but like i lost the game we were joking about this on the behind the scenes on the spun chunks podcast uh, on monday about the game of like how long can you last without hearing christmas music and uh I I mean I I lost a while ago because of course a neighbor was doing something silly at the end of November but in terms of like the out and about broad spectrum I had to go grocery shopping yesterday and of course the grocery store is you know playing typical Christmas music from the last you know 50 years and and so I was like well I'm out I've officially been out in the world I've been out in a retail situation where there's Christmas music going on so We have we have not had that but uh our Thanksgiving was uh, not last week, but the week before. Right. And uh, I have a neighbor diagonally from me, and he's out there the day of Thanksgiving after they have dinner, and he puts up all his Christmas lights. He puts this giant inflatable s uh, snowman, and his yard is full of all this crap. And then he also has a stereo that blares Christmas music all day and all night that to me is obnoxious i can i can understand lights i mean you want to get them up before the bad weather uh no one wants to be up a ladder on a snowy roof but i feel like the christmas music you can save for like the day of maybe 
you know? I can't even imagine what it's like to live in his house because the music kicks on sometime like like lunchtime today oh, at around noon. It will kick on. And then it kicks off at exactly 10 o'clock at night because at exactly after 10 o'clock at night, you can call in noise complaints. Oh. <laughs> and it's so loud. Erica and I can be watching TV with surround sound. And all of a sudden, there'll be like a quiet moment in the show. And you'll hear. And you'll be like, is that the show or is that or is that outside? And I'll open up the door and sure enough, it's his stereo thing outside blaring music so loud that the quiet moments in my show get interrupted because I can hear Christmas music outside. And he's literally like 100 feet from my house. That would drive me nuts. I, I said, I, I tell Erica, I'm like, I don't know how they deal with it because they literally must have to listen to the Christmas music all day. Yeah. Home. No, that would, that would drive me crazy. I, I, I can understand it if there's like a, an event or like a Saturday night where you want to do it for a couple of hours, you know, especially close to the holidays. If you got a party going on, like that kind of stuff, but like to have it ha go all day long. I mean, I guess people are festive and stuff like that and I don't want to. I don't want to besmirch people for being jolly when it's been not the best two years. You know, people are just kind of like, well, we got to do something. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I, I feel like they're, though, I, I do find over the last two years also that people have been making a lot of decisions and doing a lot of things that have very little regard for other people. There's yes. been a lot of just selfish behavior I've found. Yep. And I don't want to sound like I'm preaching from a high horse. I may have been doing some of that myself. I don't know. Uh, absent-mindedly or, or or whatever, but I feel like there's just been a lot of common sense or common courtesy just thrown out the window in the last little while, specifically around here the last six to eight months. I have a personal uh, a, a resentment against Christmas music. Uh, one of my first jobs when I got out of high school is I worked on an overnight team stocking shelves in a place that supplied Christmas decorations. Mm. And so the stereo all night would play Christmas music all Christmas season. So I've heard every Christmas song ever until probably 2010. For me, at least the last retail job that I had was at an Apple retail store. And there, at least because of Apple's connection to music, they would have a decent mix of playlists. Yeah. Like they would play current hits. They would play Christmas stuff. They would play new Christmas albums and it wouldn't always be recognizable. They would play classic stuff too. So like you'd have a wide variety. And, and actually if memory serves, um, I think it would have to be either vetted by management or at the very least from a trusted employee where um, people that had music they wanted to share or if someone just found this new album that they really liked that was Christmassy or whatever, um, they would just let employees tie their phones to the stereo system in, in the store and you just your playlist would just go, you know, because yep. ultimately the people that would be there full time would be tired of the same tracks from management because yep. I mean the list is only so long and if you're there nine to five minute to Friday then that that gets tiresome too yeah um, even if it's music you like you know my, my wife laughs at me because she loves Christmas music but we'll be someplace and some song will play she'll be like I've never heard this version of this song before who's singing this and literally I know them and she's like how do, you don't even listen to that band how do you even know that they've uh, I've heard this song a hundred times and she's like oh yeah I forgot you worked at a Christmas store I'm like yes <laughs> You need to get yourself a good Grinch sweater or something like some, some sort of like some sort of way to just um, capture the moment. <laughs> Though I have to say, I'm, I, I am kind of a Grinch at Christmas time, but man, it was, was it fun setting up the Christmas tree this year? 
Violet was literally like staring at the tree and going, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And we were like, <laughs> we were like, we were like, that's the first time we've ever heard her said, wow. And she just kept staring at the tree and going, wow. We were, like, oh. we were like, well, I guess the Christmas tree is a success. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, my, uh, We've talked about this in the show before, so I won't go into it. But my sister is doing the elf on a shelf for my niece. Yep. Uh, and just like things like snow angels and flower and just, just doing goofy stuff around the house. And so there's all these, you know, um, imaginative ways that Andrea is doing this. And, um, but Kaylee loves it. Like Kaylee is really excited. And I, you yep. know, it's different when you've got kids at Christmas and I've got lots of friends that have yep. kids. So obviously, um, and when they're old enough to get it, like I remember, um, Ewan is much older now. He's, he's, um, he's almost a, a 11, I think. I was gonna say he's gotta be, he's yeah. gotta be. Yeah. But, uh, but Peyton, I remember Peyton talking about how he really, enjoyed it when i think ewan was like three or four whenever he got it like whenever he really yeah. he could look forward to it he understood it was coming he knew it was a big day it would be exciting and exhausting and all that kind of stuff and that was always really fun for peyton but then a little bit later on when ewan because he's got excellent parents like he he understand like the gift giving aspect of it. And then, so he'd yep. want to do something nice for someone else or for someone in the family. And, and that was another kind of like check mark on the, like, this is what this is all about. Like when the kids get that, it feels better to give than to receive, you know, yep. he's like, it's, yep. it's a really good feeling when that happens, when they get to that age. And I don't well, know if Kay, my niece is quite there yet. She's still young. So it's more, it's more about like, you know, Santa well, and all that kind of stuff. Last year was hard for us because Violet was only six months old. So we were doing Christmas stuff, but she really didn't understand that there was snow outside. We'd take her outside and it was like, it's cold. Bring me in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Six months old, you don't understand that. And uh, she's about to experience her first snow today. And daycare was like, make sure you send her to school with snow pants. We bring them outside. They play in the snow. And we're like, we need photos. They're like, don't worry. We'll take photos. You know? And and Christmas time last year, you know, she didn't understand the tree. She didn't understand what was going on. And this year she gets it. And then we just changed daycares and we're going to a new daycare. And they warned us Monday. They're like, hey, if you've got an extra any of your presents for Violet, if you've got any of them wrapped, please bring one in before Monday. And so we're like, OK, why? They're like, we have a Santa that that's coming on Monday and he's going to bring the kids presents. So if you bring us a present with her name on it, we'll make sure she gets a present from Santa. My, so, yeah, my parents, I used to have situations like that. I remember getting a gift from a Santa Claus at like a, a golf club Christmas party somewhere. And yeah. it was somehow something magically that I had put on my list. Like it was just, yeah. it blew my mind. <laughs> you know, like just, you don't, that age you don't think behind the scenes, right? Well, well she's 18 months. So this will be her first Santa experience and Santa's going to give her something. And she kind of already knows what it is because we bought it in front of her, mm -hmm. but she forgot about it 10 minutes later. And we're like, oh, phew, thank God. Yeah. Um, th it's, that's one of the magical things about kids at this age. They forget everything real quick. That's what we're going to wrap and give it to have them give her. I, I saw a really cute video scroll by on social media over the weekend. Uh, as people are starting to get snow in the Northern Hemisphere, um, this woman had taken her her kid out for the first time that they, they, they'd ever seen snow. And I don't know how old the kid was. Maybe I want to say under 
under two, maybe even under one. I feel like they were pretty young, but definitely more than six months because they were just very alert and kind of very aware of what was going on. But it was the first time they'd seen snow. And so everything was covered in snow and there was these big, big fluffy flakes, very easy to see, you know, on the video. And this kid was just like completely awestruck and kept on looking at his mom like, what is going on? Like this is, and then something would like, the snowflake would hit him in the forehead and he would kind of like blink and shake his head like what what <laughs> like why that was cold what do you mean it was just yeah. it was really really cute to see that initial reaction like old enough to be aware that something very different is happening but young enough yeah. to be like no clue what's going on <laughs> like just that's what we're waiting for today they're supposed to send us photos because this will be the first time the first time over the summer when she realized what rain was and she got downpoured on. She was like, what is going on? Why am I wet? And we were like, yeah, rain. <laughs> so now she's going to see snow. And we're going to be like, oh, boy, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Welcome to sticky rain <laughs> from now yep. until March. <laughs> well, uh, I want to report on the uh, new soundbar that I picked up, uh, as well as the Echo Dot, which I think I mentioned last week. I can't actually remember. Um, but I've had time to set up and play with both, uh, over the last little while. And I'll start with the dot because, uh, I picked it up on sale and, uh, I did a little bit of research and it turns out that the, the Alexa home automated system is supposed to be better for that kind of thing than Siri and the, um, the Google home. Um, one thing that I like about it is the ability to change the wake word. And also yep. do not have to say the word hey before I say any other wake word. Um, so for now, in a true nerdy fashion, I've changed the wake word to computer in the same way that you would say it on Star Trek. And Oh, good luck with that. I've heard some horror stories about people that do that. So I've not had any big issues with it so far. My issue is currently remembering to call it computer as opposed to um you know, anything else. And I've already had issues where, uh, on another podcast, I've woken it up, um, by saying that, but I'm just cause I'm talking about it, but I feel like at least now I can talk about things like Alexa, you know, on, on the, um, on podcasts and on things without waking it up. Now, the other options were, um, echo, I think Ziggy, Alexa, and then computer was the last one. So, I yep. just went with it and I can change it. And I, I know I've been messing around with it. I'm disappointed. It doesn't have more voice accents and controls in that way. You can do male, female, new, old. And then I think the only way to get an accent is to like change it to like a British English or something. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure, you know, whether that affects how it listens or what, but um, so far, I mean, it's pretty responsive. Uh, the thing that I've had trouble with is the skills, which you have to download via the Alexa app on your phone or tablet. I find them inconsistent and out of date. Now, I'm not saying that that's at the feet of Amazon because these skills, I believe, are written by developers of the software that is on the devices. So my TCL skill that doesn't work is because TCL hasn't updated the skill for for um, for Amazon or they've updated a skill ahead of updating the software on my TV. Now, the software on my TV was updated on November 15th. So I'm not sure what the issue is, but when you set up the skill, uh, Alexa says, Hey, go to this page, uh, in your settings and put down the connection code. The setting yep. doesn't exist on the TCL TV. Like it's just not there. So you're just like, well, yep. okay, I'm getting broken instructions. So that's dumb. And, it, and then you go through this frustrating process of trying to set it up. 
and it doesn't work. But then it says it's connected. And you're like, I'm not sure how it's connected because I didn't connect it. And then it works. And you're like, oh, okay, well, that's easy. Yeah. And I thought like, well, what am I going to do? And I really, you know, didn't use it for much, but it was very cool to be able to turn on the TV, to be able to control the volume with the TV and to be able to tell the TV to switch inputs. I thought that was kind of handy yep. as well because there are times when I switch back and forth because of the quality of the the apps where I might want to watch Disney Plus or uh, Prime on the television smart TV, the Roku, uh, and then switch and watch maybe Netflix or YouTube on uh, or Twitch on on say uh, the Xbox because it's easier to type with the Xbox controller if I wanted to be in a chat room or whatever. Anyway, right. uh, then it just stopped working. And I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why, why have you forgotten the TV? You know, uh, I've also said things like, you know, the wake word and then, hey, turn on the Xbox and then, or turn on the TV. It's like, did you mean the Xbox? No, I very clearly said TV. But what was happening was the, the skill was just not staying connected. I'm not sure what was going on. Um, so far, the, the work, workaround has been to add the Roku skill. So Roku being the software that's on the TV as opposed to the hardware, um, yep. that has been a little bit more consistent. But then those controls are different. And so um, the very cool aspect of saying like, you know, turn the volume on the TV to 22 and it would do it very quickly. You'd see the TV react before you even finished speaking. The only pause would be like the the affirmation from the dot to say like, okay, you know, or done or, you know, whatever. Um, and I've learned that you can change it to brief mode where it won't like say a phrase back to you. It'll just kind of like chime. It'll just kind of go boop and yeah. say like, cool. All right, that's done. Sweet. Um, so I might do that right now. I'm kind of enjoying the voice interaction just cause it is, it is pretty cool. It's a male uh, voice, which is the new voice for the Alexa software. And I mean, I have to say it sounds really natural. It's, it's really quite fun to do stuff like get weather news reports, that kind of thing. Um, but the frustrating thing has been, the inconsistency from skill to skill, the fact that it just seems to forget. So like I've set the Xbox up twice now and a couple of times in the last few days, I've said like, you know, hey, can you turn the Xbox on? And it says like, I'm sorry, the Xbox is not responding. So what do you mean it's not responding? I just did this six hours ago and it worked fine and nothing's changed. You know, yeah. the, the one time I'll forgive it was like overnight, Monday night, we lost power. So like that, that could easily that take, always messes everything. Up. Yeah. Well, that, that takes your, your devices off of standby, right? Like they're no longer in like soft power mode. They're all completely off and that's fine. Yeah. And so I, I forgave it that, that part. Um, cause I have to reset my light timers and stuff like that when that happens as well. But yeah, it's just very strange that, um, that it keeps on forgetting these things. Now, so far out of all the skills that I've downloaded, which has not been many three or four, uh, the Xbox seems to have the best, uh, which is not surprising because, I mean, that's a big, you know, it's a popular device. Microsoft is a big company. And if they want those kind of things available, they want to write that software well. And you can do a lot of really cool things. Like I could tell it to turn on the Xbox, launch Netflix and play uh, Downton Abbey. Spoiler, that's what I'm going to be talking about later today. And it just does it. And it's very natural language. I don't have to like do one thing at a time. I don't have to say it very specifically. I could just be like, you know, I could even say play Downton Abbey on Netflix on the Xbox and it would do it. I've tried it backwards and it works well. So that kind of stuff is really cool. Um, the frustrating part has been the changing of or addition of other things that then break that setup. So being able to tell the television, you know, turn the volume to 22, awesome. This, the moment that I hooked up my TCL Alto 6 Plus, which is the new soundbar, which is working great, 
it changed the way that the Echo interacted with the TV, which to me does not make any sense. So now the TV, which is connected to the soundbar via HDMI arc, which is good because it means that I can use the television remote or um, my phone remote to to turn the uh, volume on the soundbar up and down, um, which is something you and I discussed uh, last time we talked about soundbars in the show. Um, The soundbar gives different numbers. So my TV goes up in increments of one and it goes from one to like 50. And I often have it at like 22 or something like that. Yep. Uh, the soundbar, I don't know how high it goes. It certainly doesn't need to be anything above 45 because it's got a subwoofer and it gets loud, which is good. Yep. I mean, I have to say like the soundbar, it's not amazing in terms of like the sound quality. It's pretty standard, but boy, does it make the, a big difference watching stuff from just the television speakers, which on the TCL are good. Um, yep. but this, this really made a big difference. However, it goes up in increments of four or three. And very often putting you on an odd number, like 23, 28, 32, oh, see, 39. See, I, don't that, I don't have that issue. When we were doing it with regular TV, with the TV speakers, I would have to put things at about 20 or 22. Mm-hmm. Everything was an increment of two. Okay. Um, when we did it with the sound bar, after the baby goes to bed, 22 is way too loud. Yeah. So now we have it at like 10 or 12. So the problem that I have is that it just, it, it's different and I can't control it with my voice anymore. I can say, turn the television to 33 or 32 or some number that I remember. Uh, and if I don't remember the right number, it won't do it. Right. And I can't shout out the number command anymore. All I can say to, to Alexa is turn the TV up or turn the TV down. And then it does oh, so really? at, I, I've had it turn it down by three. I've had it turn it down by eight, which is very different because then you're like, turn it back up. <laughs> like, what? you know, and, and I've had it go down far and then back up by not so much. And it's like, but wh- <laughs> like, why? I will tell you right now, my experience with all this smart home device stuff is that it's really a niche product. Uh, personally, I don't enjoy it. Um, I don't mind it in my car when it works great in my car. When I plug my phone into my car. I have the whole Android system in my I I we have a we have a Hyundai Kona. And so it came with the smart display and whatever and it connects Bluetooth, but Bluetooth it only does certain things, but if you plug it in, it does more. And it, it does so little connected to Bluetooth, it's it's worth it to buy a cable and plug it in because then all of a sudden everything actually works. Uh on Bluetooth, sometimes my phone will connect and let me take phone calls, sometimes it won't. If I plug it in, everything works. Sometimes I'll have it plugged in and Erica will call me. And instead of coming through the TV, the the car speakers, it comes through on the phone speaker. Like I'm trying to talk to her on speakerphone. And I'm like, why is it doing that? Shouldn't it just be using the car speaker? Or she'll be like, I can't hear you. You sound like you're a million miles away. And I'm like, well, then obviously something didn't work. Call me back. And she'll call me back. And then boom, it works the right way again. And I'm like, what? Like it, none of this stuff is a hundred percent. Um, when it works, uh, like I can send text messages to Erica and I'll be, I'll have the car and I'll be on my way to pick her up and I'll send her, say, send Erica a text message. And they'll be like, okay. And I'll say, all right, uh, let her know that I'll be there in about 20 minutes. And they'll, it'll send and say, uh, I'll be there in about 20 minutes. And they'll say, is that okay? And I'll say, that's okay. And they'll say, please say yes to send. And I'll be like, yes. And it'll be like, please say yes to send. 
and I'll be like screaming at it at the top of my lungs. Yes. And then it'll be like, you have said yes. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. I've, I've, I've had that situation with, with the dot before where I've had to say something over and over again. And, and in some ways I'm testing, you know, how loud do I have to speak? you know, to, for it to register. Like, I don't want to have to shout across the room. I'd rather just kind of speak like I'm speaking to you now. Um, yeah. So sometimes I've gone with softer voices, especially late at night, you know, one o'clock in the morning when I'm saying like, I'm just thinking like, oh, I'm going to see if it'll turn everything off, you know, but then I realize it's late and I don't want to be like in a booming voice, you know, turn off the living room, you know, uh, and yeah. uh, and uh, I've experienced that. And I've just, I kind of, I was hoping that it was going to be a little bit more seamless and I didn't have like super high expectations, but I was anticipating that at least, you know, once you hooked something up, that it would stay hooked up. And yeah. by hooking something else into it, that it wouldn't alter the commands available. Like I, I anticipated that the TCL television volume control would remain the exact same, only it would just be pumping it out of the, the, the sub and the, the sound bar instead of just the TV speakers. I fully anticipated right. the, the graphics on screen to be the same, the numbers and integers to be the same. But like you, I also figured I might not be putting the TV at 22. I might be keeping it like lower on, on average because yeah. it's going to have louder speakers, uh, just more right. robust sound. Right. But again, like I just, it's, it's been, it's been confusing and I have, um, uh, this I lay at the feet of of Govee, uh, G O V E E, which are the um, the smart bulbs and the uh, strip lights that I have in the living room. Uh, they are all Bluetooth, and they work with Siri via the app. I've yet to be able to control them accurately, or at least be able to group them. And it's got something to do with like the Govee app needing updating or having certain capabilities. Plus, I don't know a lot about how the Home app works with Apple because I don't have an Apple Home Pod because they're expensive. Uh, I would have not purchased the Dot had it not been twenty-five bucks. Uh, it's to the yep. point now where like I. It's fun enough to play with it and it, it does enough of things that I actually like, you know, like playing music at the drop of a hat, that kind of thing. Where for $25 to be able to verbally control my TV on and off, like, which I can do with Siri as well. But again, it comes down to like the fewer words that I can, I can put out of my mouth to get it done. If the dot does it, then for 25 bucks, I really yep. don't care. Um, yep. and I'm an Amazon prime member, so I have access to Amazon music. So like it, that kind of stuff is, 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 um, accessible, but Govi has so many SKUs for their lights. They have a handful on their website, but on Amazon, there's just so many of the damn things yep. that I ended up buying additional Bluetooth light bulbs. Well, Bluetooth light bulbs don't work with Alexa or Google home. It has to be the Wi-Fi version. Yep. So now I'm probably going to return the Bluetooth ones and get the Wi-Fi versions and, I'm thinking about replacing the strip lights behind my TV, which I've had for about a year and I quite like them, um, but they're Bluetooth. And while it's nice to be able to have them on a timer, and most of the time I do have them on a timer, it would also be pretty cool to be able to um, control them with voice because it's more than just on off. Right now, um, that's basically what I use it for. And I could explore a little bit more and see what I can set up. But um, with the, uh, Alexa and Google home connectivity from the Govee lights, you can say things like, you know, change the, the, the scene to like, you know, late night movie watching or, uh, switch it to party mode or something like that. Or like, you know, turn the lights on and it'll turn everything from like colored led lights to normal, you know, household bulbs. If you're cleaning, you could say like, Hey, could you turn all the lights to cleaning mode or something? And it just turns everything onto yep. white and bright and just, you can see everything. And so I want to try and explore that kind of stuff. Um, I know, um, color changing bulbs or color control bulbs are really nice because 
as an artist, if I can get some in the studio, I could also change them to be like natural light as opposed to like the yep. weird kind of tungsten that you get from even LED, like even LED bulbs can be very bright and very harsh. So yep. um, a friend of mine, John, who's a, a designer, has some Philips Hue that have that kind of control, not via, uh, probably via voice, but like he he probably just sets them for, for you know, traditional um, light levels and stuff like that. But um, that kind of stuff is appealing. So it's not super expensive to, um, well, it's the same price. I, I would be returning the ones that I bought as gifts and, and um, swapping things out. But like, it's one of those things where like, I was expecting it to work a little bit better than, than it's working currently. And that could be yeah. something as as simple as like, maybe there's going to be an update in the future. It could be better software from, from the, the manufacturers. And I think that's the thing is like, it's not all made by one company. Uh, and that, that so far has been kind of like the, the faulting That's point. The problem. Yeah. However, I don't, I'm trying to leave the, there is a standard and I did look this up, um, a while ago and it's not implemented yet. Um, but it's, I think it's called matter M A T T E R. And yep. the idea is that Apple, Google, Amazon, are all going to have a certain standard for development. And so you'll see less of like works with Siri, but nothing else works with, you know, Amazon and, and Google, but not Siri. Um, yeah. Similar to the Govi stuff that I have. And it's eventually going to be like, just works with everything. Like just because it's going to take some time, but down Someday. the road, we'll see, we'll see some more um, integration, I guess possible. But anyway, yeah, it's been fun, but also frustrating where, some things that are supposed to just work out of the box just haven't. Now, before I wrap up, I will say that the TCL um, sounds great. Sorry, the soundbar, the Alto 6 Plus, it sounds great. And it set itself up. I did nothing but plug it in. And it was just kind of like, really? we've switched to your soundbar. Your soundbar is on. on. Um, and I was like, is that is that working? And so sure enough, I went to YouTube and I played like a Dolby Atmos test, which I mean, it's not a Dolby Atmos um uh, system, but like that, that kind of test has enough bass and like tweets and different sound effects and stuff going on that you can kind of get a feel for what's going on. And it's like worked like a top. I was like, I did next to nothing. I don't remember the last time I set up a piece of technology that didn't require an update, a download, a pairing, like, please hold this button for five seconds. Wait for the blinky light. Nope. None of that. The only thing wow. that I did was the remote. I had to press, um, one of three buttons on the remote. You've got music, TV, and movie. And those are the only three equalizer settings. It's unfortunate. I think it's a design oversight. I really wish I could control the bass and treble on my own because there are definitely situations where in an apartment, I'd like to turn the bass down a little bit. And yeah. my solution for that is either going to be headphones or just switching back to the TV speakers. Um, because um, TV mode, all that does is reduce the bass or shut the, the subwoofer off entirely and has everything come out of the, the, the soundbar. And it feels very center channel. It's not the best. Um, but right. movie mode has been the most robust. It has some base to it. Um, but I've been watching a lot of TV drama and it doesn't seem to go to like, it doesn't seem to like basify it. Like it doesn't make it sound crazy. Um, every once in a while when a man has a deep voice on, on the TV, you'll notice a little bit, but that's fine. I haven't been bothered by it and I haven't been listening to music, but like, because it's such a pain in the, the butt, the only way to change that is either to walk over to the sound bar, pull it out from underneath the TV and hit a button or use the remote. I'm just like, I'm just not going to bother. I'm going to leave it on music. And if I don't like it, I'll just turn off, you know, I'll, I'll ask, you know, I'll turn it off somehow. Cause the echo dot can, 
it can't control the soundbar, but it can pair to it via Bluetooth. And so right. once I just get everything sorted out, I think what I might end up doing is just like have the echo paired to the, to the soundbar all the time. And then the soundbar might just, just stay on all the time. Right now it goes on and off with the TV, but, uh, for the, for the sake of $150 that I got it on sale, um, well worth it for like a very simple intermediary solution for a television speaker. Like I haven't played any video games right. with it yet. Cause my Xbox game pass expired, but, um, I'm sure it will be a good experience, uh, going forward. So, um, a, a decent solution for people that are looking for like an apartment situation where you just want something a little bit better than your television speakers, but you don't want to pay like 300 bucks. I think the, the TCL Alto six plus was a good solution. The only, again, the gripe that I have is like really the television should have like a bass and treble control on its own. And that should affect yeah. the bass and treble being sent to the speaker. There's no reason why that isn't possible with, with eARC. Or, or arc for hdmi so yeah anyway i feel like i've been rambling for a bit moving on into the main discussion of what we've been watching this week uh lou what's been on your small screen i've been watching two recent adaptations that have been ones on amazon ones on netflix um both are things i've been really excited for and both have been pretty good they let me down a little bit but not bad uh first was wheel of time on amazon um, I love the novels that these are based on. So I was really excited that there was an adaptation coming and Amazon has really not shown us anything. Like they only released a trailer for this thing, like maybe six weeks before it aired. And I was all excited for that trailer and the trailer gave you just enough to make you go. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be good. It could be bad. I really don't know. And uh, so far we're, about five, six episodes in. I'm enjoying it. It is definitely different from the books in some aspects. Um, in the books, the characters are like 16. In the show, they've aged them up to be about 18 to 20. Mm -hmm. And Amazon said that they did that on purpose because they didn't want people to think this was... Uh, a, it's very much not a tween story, even though the characters are 16 and 18. Like, they are immediately thrown into like killing people, war, and being hunted and persecuted. And it's very much an adult-style story. So they felt like if they put the characters at 16, they, people might think that this was a kid's a kid's show. Yeah, a little bit too Harry Potter if if it wasn't yeah. handled correctly. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, so they upped it. They upped it. One of the characters that is a apprentice blacksmith, they just make him a blacksmith, and they give him a wife, and then kill his wife in the first episode. Which... I guess, have, you know, spoilers for anybody that isn't watching, just as a heads up. I mean, that's not a huge thing that they draw out, but... It, 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 it happens in, like, the first 20 minutes, and you're like, oh. But key to that character's emotional development over the next three or four episodes, because I've been watching as well. Uh, oh, you have? And, okay. And, yeah, and so, I, like, again, we won't get into too many spoilers here. Or, I mean, if you want to, we can get into spoilers for the first three episodes I think I've watched. No, no, I, I, just, I just wanted to highlight that there are yeah. changes. Yeah, but yeah. it just it they they really that kind of stuff is the kind of we'll say trauma that doesn't necessarily always work its way into these fantasy shows. So I'm yeah. quite invested in in that character because of the guilt that he's carrying around and 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 that he, they, in in the story so far they've been separated from him and a, a friend have been separated from the other two. And yeah. and there are some things 
that I that takes me right out of it. But other things I find is really cool. And because it's an interesting new fantasy world to me, because I've not seen or I've not read the books, um, it's um it's interesting. Uh, this uh, what do they call it? The power, um, yeah. The like the, the way that. The, the, the way no, that the they, magic works were in or, around the uh what are they called the the women that wield the magic the the Aes Sedai yeah so the Aes Sedai are basically like the Gandalfs like they're the wizards yeah and it's really cool to see it like rather than just like you know somebody in a pointy hat whispering words and something happening like you can see this kind of like white mystical kind of so flow. here's the thing here's the thing you as a viewer see it because you're seeing it through the eyes of the Aes Sedai and they see it. Oh, cool. People around them are viewing it like you're viewing Gandalf. Oh, neat. That's a cool idea to to show the viewer. That's the way it works in the books, too, is when a character who isn't an Aes Sedai is describing something that an Aes Sedai is doing because you're seeing it from their perspective. It's like, then the thing just burst in the flames. And then when... A later chapter, that same Aes Sedai will be doing something and the chapter will be from their perspective. They'll talk about seeing the weaves of fire and ice blending together to cause the explosion. And he'll they'll be like, and, and it'll be like, and everybody around stared in awe because they were like, what's going on? The one criticism that I, I think sticks out to the most to me, and you can um, let me know about this having read the books. I know yep. that Jordan was a fan of Tolkien. Uh, that it's much. very heavy on Tolkien. Yeah, it is to the point where it's just like this need this isn't even trying to not be Tolkien. Like there is there's some stuff that's just like this just feels like an unabashed ripoff of the Lord of the Rings in some cases. Yeah, the first book is very much like that. Every book after that gets less and less Tolkieny. And that's what I was thinking is that the first outing from the author is going to be a little bit maybe too close to 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 Tolkien, but then as the story matures, the characters change and the character arcs diversify that it might take a different direction. Um, yeah. And I understand like there's also a lot of sci-fi and stuff that you either go like, well, that's very Star Wars or that's very, you know, really it's like that's either Star Wars, Blade Runner or Star Trek. Like those are kind of like are yeah. they, the, the pillars, right? Um, and so I'm not, I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad thing. I just found that because I'm familiar with both the book and the movie for the Lord of the Rings, but then only the the series for um, Wheel of Time, I found the similarities to the movie beats to be very similar, like just not different enough, even visually. Like there was some like the Aes Sedai are different, but like they call them like the Eyeless. Which yeah, are the, these... the, 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 they're like they're like they're like weird teeth monsters with no eyes. Yeah, it's it's like this combination of like the mouth of Sauron from the gate of Mordor yeah. and the ring wraiths. And that's what I mean. Like they're just they're different. You can't say it's an exact copy because it's it's different than the Lord of the Rings. But it's still like, well, just because it's not the exact same idea, I can still recognize that you took two good ideas from the Lord of the Rings and combined it into what you call your own idea. And so that yeah. kind of stuff, I was just not necessarily rolling my eyes, but it's just kind of like you notice it as a fan of the original films, which I've seen a number of times. So like, you, oh, just, yeah. you know, you kind of look at it like, oh, okay, so these are like the Urukai or these are like orcs or whatever. Now, as yeah. far as the special effects go, I really thought the, is it Trollocs or something? They're like trolls, yeah. but with a funny sound at they, the end. They're basically, an, those eyeless guys basically make them 
from like the the surrounding things around them so they're always looking different yeah um but they're cool looking and they did a good job with the effects because they're giant like devil uh they're like they look, they look like satyrs they've got like backwards yeah. legs and hooves and they're they're 10 feet not 10 feet tall but they're certainly like seven or eight feet tall massive yeah. muscle horned fanged you know like warrior orc type things and they're they're each one of them look different uh i thought the yeah. cg and and the and the panic of everybody was great it it really um it to the point where like like when that village was attacked, like a lot of people just straight up died. Like it wasn't like there yeah. was this heroic fighting chance that anybody had. Like they just kind of washed over it like a flood and it was kind of the end. Uh, it yeah. was, it was, it was cool, but also like a little bit shocking as the viewer, because you thought you were getting set up for like, Oh, we're going to follow this village for a couple episodes. Nope. No, <laughs> you're not. They do that in the book too. The book, it like, there's more of that festival in the book. And like they spend like almost two whole chapters on like this festival and they introduce to you all these characters. And then like chapter three is like, and then the troll attack and everybody dies. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> How many people died? Wait, what's going on? I think the only thing that I've found hard to swallow has been some of the costumes. Some yeah. of the specifically, um, Oh, I don't remember his name. So there's four kids. There's the blacksmith and the girl. Yep. And then there's the guy in the in the funny coat from Gap. That is, it looks like it's supposed to be like a woodsman huntsman kind of like leather and fur, but it looks yep. like a modern jacket that I've seen on Instagram. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. And then the other guy is in a fucking house coat. <laughs> like it looks yeah. like he stole something from a bed and breakfast and he's walking <laughs> around in a house coat and it just looks like okay who who let the new person do the costume design for this guy because this, this is yeah, not that's been one of uh, erica has read most of these books too so she's a fan that's been her big gripe is she's like some of these costumes are awesome some of these costumes are absolutely terrible and yes. i'm like yes yes they are i find as i watch more episodes some of the costume changes, they're getting better. I get the distinct impression that when they started filming this, they really did start from filming episode one. And they had to figure out what worked and doesn't work. Because as I watch each episode, I feel like things are getting better, not worse. And that's a good sign. Yeah, I've noticed that too. I feel like the uh, the acting specifically from the young lady what's her name the so the blacksmith and the girl um, uh her name is Egwene. Egwene. um i like i enjoy her kind of like mature realization of like her part in all of this and what it could potentially be uh and yeah. how powerful she has i think revealed to be yeah 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 so no okay that's somebody else um that's the other girl yeah the that's, other the, uh, the other girl naive. that has the braid um, she ends up being some sort of healer, but it's like explosive healing. And I, and that's where, cause I was getting ready to check out a, a, as that episode was kind of going on. I got kind of tired of like very tired archetypes with like the red woman being this like bitch all the time and just wanting her own way. And like all this interior drama between the Aes Sedai. And I was just like, Oh God, roll my eyes. When is this going to, is this going to go on the entire episode? But then that really changed. I was like, wait a minute. Okay. This is, this is different. Even they're kind of surprised and shocked. So this woman is obviously very special. And I thought that was yeah. kind of cool. So I was like, okay, 
I was making assumptions because of how many similarities there were to the Lord of the Rings. But yes. then at the end of the third episode, it takes some left turns. It was like, okay, this is, this is different. The, the, the other thing that is different about the show, if you've watched the books is there's a bunch of characters that they've introduced already that don't get introduced to like book three and four. Yeah. I had heard that. Like the woman, like the woman, the woman in red, there's like a chapter with her in it in like the first book and the second book, but she's like a bit part character. She's not like, like, like on the screen. Like she's not in every, like wandering around with characters. They kind of added that to do, do the thing. The guy they catch who Logan, who thinks he's the dragon reborn. Right. Um, he's mentioned in the first book and then they see him being par paraded through the street like they do with uh, a later episode of the show. Um, but you don't get anything from his perspective until like book three. And then he's introduced as a character and they decided that because he's important to the story and they needed that they, they can't flesh it the story out the same way a book can, where they can just explain things to you as a, as a reader. Mm-hmm. That it was easier for them to show you, so they decided to introduce these characters earlier. They they were all things I was worried about, but so far I've really enjoyed the way they've done it. Is this available as an audiobook? I'd imagine it probably is. Yes, it is. Is it good? Have, like, have you heard it? It's it, 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 it's excellent. the The audiobooks are absolutely they're they're very 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 good. Cool. No, that's good. Uh, I mean, I'm I'll, I've been meaning to do a little bit more reading, so I'm tempted to also just get, like to get like the, the first novel and just kind of like give it a go. I um, won't lie. They're rough reads. Uh, one, really? The first book is really hard, but once you get through, there's a lot of world building. Right. So they use a lot of dialogue. You don't know what the heck they're talking about. And then all of a sudden it's like by chapter three or four, it clicks for you. But those first few chapters, you're like, what, what are they talking about? They're talking about some weird God thing. I don't understand. They're talking about this wheel of time thing. And, are they talking about reincarnation? What are they talking about? Right. And like you, you kind of like have to put the pieces together. And so it's a hard read at first. But once you get about five chapters in, you're like, oh, okay, I kind of get what's going on. Um, an interesting thing is, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler. Um, they have they're riding along in uh on horseback, and there's a scene where they all sing a song, and they're talking about some city that's now extinct. Like it doesn't exist anymore. Yep. I and all the that. people from it are dead. Um, the executives wanted them to remove that scene because they thought it was boring. But that is actually really, really important to the story by not explaining that city and who they are. There's going to be story points later that make reference to that. And if you don't get that story explained to you in the first few few episodes, later on in like the second season when there's a big plot point about that, you won't have any idea what they're talking about. And it'll be really confusing. And I've noticed a lot of the the visual references and stuff like that. Like there'll be some cool references to to old cities. They 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 yeah. take a respite in a city that's haunted by some sort of evil spirits or something. Black stuff that kind of travels along the ground and, and destroys things. Yeah. Um, and it looks like an ancient city. But then in other panning shots, it's like this looks like skyscrapers. In the books, they make reference to like the world is like the cataclysm that kind of ended the world. This isn't the first time it's happened. Right. Like whenever the wheel recycles itself, something bad happens that kind of destroys the world. Right. Okay. And so in one of the references in one of the books, 
I don't. It's not really a spoiler. The one of the main characters has a, a discussion with a guy who's like an archaeologist, and he makes reference to like we once were outside the world, and he makes reference to space travel. Oh, okay. And you're like, wait, what? And it's like one of the cycles of the wheel. They got so far in technology, they may have actually been to outer space. Right. And you're like, wait, what? And then they just never talk about it again in all the rest of the books, but they make reference to it. So you go, huh, weird. Well, because and that kind of goes to like the echo of this um, wheel of time reference I keep on making about like reincarnation. And so like the yep. whole world has just been recycled to a point. It's not the first time I've seen it. There was a, uh, unfortunately, it turned out to be a terrible show. I don't remember the the, the name of it, but John Rhys Davies was in it. Uh, and it was set where like elves had returned to the world and you could very clearly see things like overpasses and, and buildings. The Shannara Chronicles. Chronicles that's what it, yeah, 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 yeah. It turned out to be a campy TV show. The first episode is really good. And then all of a sudden, every episode after that, it becomes really bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they spent all the money on the first one and then everything else was just not the yeah. best. Um, it's too bad because the, the, the concept was really cool, right? of like yeah. bringing elves back into a destroyed dystopian modern future. Like that, that kind of stuff was kind of cool. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm liking it so far. I know something else that's nice about it is that as someone that has not read the books and has not watched all the series, they're releasing it weekly. Uh, so yeah. they did like the first two or three week one, but then every Friday I think is a new episode on yep. Amazon Prime. I, and, and, we're, and we're up to episode five or six now. Yeah. So. I haven't watched in a couple of weeks just because I've been doing other things. So um, I will eventually return to it. The issue that I've had with it in terms of just streaming it is the quality. And I'm not alone. Oh, really? Yeah, I looked this up before the show. Uh, I had uh, a situation where I would uh, load up the Wheel of Time on the Xbox and the interface on the Xbox looks amazing. But then you go to play the show and it's like, I, I, I kept on checking my TV settings. Like, are you sure this is 4K? Like, this really doesn't feel... Like it's doing what it should. It felt grind, grainy. Like it felt like I could see. It looks like an old film that you blew up on a on a full skies TV. Did you watch it like the weekend it came out? Mm, that's a really good question. I may have. Because I know that um, there was a bunch of complaints from certain people that Amazon servers were getting slammed because everybody was trying to watch the show at the same time. Yeah, well, it was uh, so, it was that or the compression. Like one of the two yeah. people were saying like, it's, it's not just you. I'm watching on like a brand new, super expensive 4K television. I've got excellent internet. Like it's this show looks like crap. And then they weren't talking about the production design. They were talking about like the, the streaming quality, the, re the yeah. receiving uh, digital quality of the show. And uh, I'd see artifacts, uh, shadows were grainy and, and strange. It's like taking a, an older film and putting it up on a big TV. And um, I switched to watching it on the television because the television, the Amazon Prime app looks awful. It looks like a 1080p app on a 4K screen. It doesn't upscale. Um, yeah. But on the Xbox, it looks amazing. But then the flip was, even though the interface was terrible on the TV, the show looked a little bit better. It at least yeah. it at least played smoothly on via the Xbox. It was skipping frames. It was it wow. was so crappy. Yeah. So and I've had issues with that, and I need to kind of look in to see whether I've got something wrong. I imagine the setup with my Xbox and my TV is that it's mostly looking for video game content, but the the Xbox and the TV are supposed to know when I play a game, the TV switches to game mode. Yeah. 
And then when I watch Netflix, it will absolutely switch to, you know, uh, Dolby or whatever Netflix is putting out. But that's, I feel, because Netflix has made a really good app for the Xbox. But yeah. the Prime app just seems to be the same uh, no matter where you go. And it doesn't look like it's getting the right signal. My experience with everything Amazon is Amazon always seems to be behind the curve. Mm-hmm. Everything I do with Amazon seems to be like the interface is like five years older than it should be. They haven't adapted the way Netflix does things. Uh, Amazon's this doesn't do that quite as well. Or the recommendations that Amazon makes me, they're recommending me everything I've watched in the last six months. Did they not? Does it not tell them that I've already watched this? Why are you trying to suggest to me the thing I just finished watching? I know that. Yeah, I've, I've seen that too. I don't find that there's much of a choice on Amazon. I, up here in Canada, there's very few things that I'm interested in. And really, the, the grand total of stuff on there is is quite small. Oh, see, here in America, there's a lot more choices. They have a lot more movies. Um, maybe not as much TV, but they have a lot more movies. And there'll be a movie I just watched. And it'll be like, oh, if you just watched... This TV show, you should watch this movie. Yeah, no, I've watched all the, the all six of your recommendations or movies I've watched in the last six months on your service. Are you not pay? Are you not say read understanding that I've already watched these? Yeah, at least with Netflix, it'll say like, you know, do you want to watch these again? Like we're listing these as like noted. You've watched these and you'd like them. So like you know, if you're looking to watch something again, then this might be something you want to do. The other one that drives me crazy with Amazon is, is you do have a playlist that you can add things to your watch list. Uh, when you want to go to your watch list, it's like eight rows down on the on the thing. It's not the first thing that pops up like on Netflix. It'll say what you continue watching what you were watching. Yeah. Or do you want to go to your go to your 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 playlist or your watch list? Uh, Amazon, it's like eight rows down. So I've got to scroll like three pages before I get to my watch list. And then I'm like. And it recycles your watch list based on when they've left and been added to Amazon. So if it's something that's been on your watch list, but it's been removed and now they've added it again, it gets bumped to the top of your watch list. And so if you were looking to watch Wheel of Time and it was it you're watching last week's episode and nine movies have come out, it bumps it down your list and you're like, okay. All right. So like, Netflix doesn't bump it down the list, but it does absolutely add stuff that's been re re-added to the yeah. circulation. I've yeah. seen that happen before too. Yep. Uh, my, my again, talking about the difference in apps, like my selection of different categories on Amazon Prime is across the top. So I can very easily get to my list. It's like it's right at the top. I mean, it's it's on the far right. I have to skip across a bunch of stuff, but it's it starts me off on what's new with Amazon and then it moves along down the line. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of in- inconsistencies depending on what model of TV you have, what version of Roku or or yep. whatever you know system you're using. So, um, speaking of stuff we've watched before, though, um, that's what I've been up to. Uh, I mentioned uh, earlier in uh, the podcast that I've been watching Downton Abbey, and um, this is a rewatch for me. So I'm not going to be able to spend a lot of time talking about it because I'm sure over the last ten years, at some point, I've mentioned this on the podcast because it's been it's been out. It came out in like 2020. 10 2011 um yeah the i just find it a really good comfortable like comfort food rewatch i don't do it every year um because it's a lot of content but i don't i do find it like i've always left it long enough between viewings where i don't exactly remember everything that goes on i certainly remember the later seasons more than i remember the early seasons 
Yeah. Uh, and what I really like about it is because after the first couple of seasons, they start ending the season with Christmassy specials. Not that it's yep. a Christmas special in big quotation marks, but Christmas happens at Downton usually at the end of the season. Uh, the whole yep. series ends in like a two hour Christmas special. And yep. so it's a great way to have some like holiday-esque type stuff. Uh, and even when they're not doing Christmas, because it's Downton Abbey, it's set in the 1920s in this rich Earl's estate. And everything feels very grand and Christmassy. Like every dinner looks like Christmas dinner in this show. Yeah. And so it's a nice way to get that kind of like beginning of a Christmas spirit without shoving a Hallmark Christmas special down your throat, which is going to like make you barf. Uh, it's not commercialized in the same way that most Christmas specials are. It's not about Santa Claus. Like there's just, there's a lot of nice things about it. Uh, it still has some eye roll moments. Don't get me wrong. Cause it is set in the twenties in this like high society, English, you know, um, countryside and specifically out of characters like Matthew Crawley, uh, the kind of stuff that he says about like, you know, my dearest darling and stuff like that is kind of like not necessarily cringeworthy, but like you kind of notice going like, wow, <laughs> Like that was, that was something, right? Um, yeah. But I, I do enjoy the the level of writing and the level of acting in the show, I think. Uh, and not to like besmirch uh, the actor that plays Matthew Crawley because he wasn't in it for a super long time. Stan Stevens is his name. Uh, and he does very well. And he is an outsider to the family. He's a distant cousin that becomes the heir when the Titanic yeah. sinks in like the first episode. So that's yeah. kind of like the situation. And the, 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 the show travels across 1910, 1911, all the way to 1924 in the first four years. So they really do yeah. a, a good job of time travel in the show. Um, and they'll just flash up a date at the beginning of the episode or a year. And it kind of keeps you informed, especially if you know what's going on in history. You know, they go through yeah. the First World War, all that kind of stuff. And in a way... It reminds me of my grandparents, you know, um, I mean, my grandfather fought the second world war, not the first. Um, but just the way that, uh, my grandfather revered, you know, English royalty and, and stuff like that. And the way that my grandparents would talk about that kind of stuff, they'd always be interested in like Royal culture, you know, when I was a kid. Um, and yeah. so I always find this kind of stuff interesting and it's just, it's well acted across the board. The writing for characters like Violet Crawley played by Dame Maggie Smith. Uh, Mrs. Hughes and Mr. Carson, who are the head of the household staff. So like yep. Mrs. Hughes is the head housemaid. Mr. Carson is the butler. Uh, that's yep. Phyllis Logan and Jim Carter, respectively. Uh, and then Mrs. Patmore is the cook. That's Leslie Nichol. And the kind of hoity-toity banter out of uh, Mr. Carson, the matter-of-fact Scottish kind of like quips out of Mrs. Hughes, and the kitchen mayhem uh, barking that comes out of Miss Pratmore is just hilarious. Like they just, they yeah. really line the walls with these wonderful one-liners right before you cut scenes, right before a character walks out of the room. Um, Maggie Smith is just excellent at delivering these like condescending, the most polite insult you've ever received in your life kind of things. Yeah. Uh, especially when it comes to dealing with cousin Cora, um, Penelope Wilton, who's Isabel Crawley. That's Matthew Crawley's mom. And she's very like modern worldly for the time. She's a trained nurse. She, you know, doesn't care about helping out women that are down on their luck and, and been forced into prostitution. She is always looking to help the downtrodden. Whereas 
it's not like the the Crawleys and and you know Lord Grantham and Lady Grantham are above helping the poor, but they'd rather do it without like dealing with it firsthand, right? They'll send money right. or they'll they'll you know uh, run a charity event or something like that, but they don't want to be bedside. You know, they don't want to be yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, and it, so it was really it's cool. It's a show that it's a show that I've watched most of vicariously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Erica liked the show, and I I could take it or leave it. So I've watched most of it and there was stuff I enjoyed, stuff I didn't enjoy so much. Sometimes I find it interesting and then sometimes I find it too soap opera-y. There, well, so it's got, I mean, it's very akin to The Upstairs Downstairs, which was another drama of yeah. of British origin. Um, I don't remember when that came out, but that would have been something that my grandfather would have watched on TV. Uh, yeah. And so you've got the downstairs staff, which are, you know, slightly less educated than the, than, well, that's not slightly, but they're, they're definitely less educated and they have a different way of life and they're working for nothing. Uh, and then yeah. you've got the upstairs household, which is just classist and elitist and, and rich. And um, like, it, it definitely kind of like you look at it and it's far enough now. I mean, it's a hundred years ago is, is the time frame for the show. And so you can look at it from a distance and be like, yeah, okay, like this is ass backwards, but like, that's where it was in rural England in the 1920s. Like the, the second world war hadn't happened yet. Um, all that kind of stuff. And so, um, I'll forgive it that, but yes, there are definitely some eye roll moments where you're just like, God, a moment of peace <laughs> for these people, you know, but then yeah. you're like, if that, if that was the case, then like there wouldn't be any drama. It wouldn't be a British drama if there wasn't any drama. And, right. um, I've heard interviews with the the cast and the way that one of the showrunners referred to it was that the staff downstairs, their soap opera, like their entertainment would be the goings on upstairs and who's, you know, courting who and, and what, like what little spat is happening or who's trying to control this thing. And so that kind of stuff is, is fine. The stuff that gets me, and I think the weakest, um, part of the show, uh, also because you don't like him, um, Thomas Barrow plays the, um, footman slash underbutler. Eventually it's Robert James Collier is the, is the actor. And he does a good job because you despise him. Uh, and, and the character has his own struggles. Uh, he plays a gay man in the twenties and that's obviously, you know, frowned upon. It's illegal at the time in England in the, in the twenties, right? You despise him for the first half of the series and then you feel sorry for him the rest of it. And it's weird because like, you don't want to, but he does such a good job that you absolutely do with regards to the drama and the soap opera like qualities to it. That's where I start to get a little bit not downtrodden, but you start to feel really bad <laughs> for some of these yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I mean, sure. Like lady Mary Crawley, uh, Michelle Dockery, uh, it plays her and she does a good job, but like, at some point she was like, for the love of, could just, could this woman have some good luck for a change? <laughs> you know, like yeah. everybody in this household, despite all their wealth and their advantages is just like, they lose a daughter. Like they lose husbands. They, yep. there's, there's some very shitty things that happen to some very nice people in this show. And and then some of the crappy people just keep having nice things happen to them. And you're like, Man, I'd like to see something bad happen to that person. Oh, wait, nope, that's not going to happen. And I'm like, yeah, well, because that would be drama. It, the show's okay, but it's never been my cup of tea. 
I mean, it's not for everybody. And it's, I've had people be surprised when I say that I'm a Downton fan and they're like, really? It's like, yeah, no, I really, I really like it. And it's the writing. It's, it's the, it's the character moments oh, it's, with, it's very well written. Yeah. That kind of stuff is, is really good. The, I think the, and it suffers from binge watching. Like if you're watching a lot of it, I've watched four seasons in the last couple of weeks, just because it's easy to put on, you know, it's, it's, it's something I can stop after 45 minutes or an hour, whenever it's done, I'm not committing to a movie like that kind of stuff. And uh, even though I'll end up watching three, um, but it's it's one of those things where you just you forgive the the drama of it all when you remind yourself, okay, well, it hasn't been a week since the last time I've seen it, right? Because it would have aired once a week when it was on TV on BBC. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just um, what ended up kind of sending me down this road is uh, Downton Abbey the film, which I had never seen, despite being uh, a fan of the original uh, series, and. I watched that on Netflix and that kind of tricked my brain. into like, you know, you should, let's go back and watch the original series again. And I have to say the film from 2019, if you're a fan of the original series, the film just feels like a bigger budget, longer episode, but in all the right ways, it doesn't feel, they yeah. don't, they, they make it different, but they don't, they don't break what is already working. Um, yeah. It's uh, the King and Queen at the time, which actually would have been the current Queen Elizabeth's parents. Um, I believe, stop to visit Downton on their way to Scotland. And so, of course, the, the staff are all in a crazy, you know, trying to impress the king and queen. And it's a big deal for all the upstairs people. And what I thought was interesting is that I remember a lot of the drama from the series, but this, of course, happens after the last episode. So there's a lot of things that have been settled, you know, like... Um, Mary's married to a guy that everybody seems to like and is good. So like, there's a lot of good things that have happened. And so it was this really nice return to Downton, which is usually drama and bad things happening to people. Uh, I shouldn't say usually, but very often to a, a hustle bustle, kind of like the situation is causing drama, but it's in itself, it's not a bad situation. It's just that it's very important. So there's a lot of stress around it. And so that is yeah. what leads everybody to it. And then there's interfamily dealings and stuff like that, but nothing underhanded, nothing terrible. Um, it's about inheritance and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But it also gives you some feel good moments for characters that ha were slightly unresolved uh, in the original series. Tom Branson, uh, one of them. Uh, and that is uh, Alan Leach uh, is an Irishman in the show. And he gets kind of like a romantic, um, I don't say end, but certainly a, um, a situation that makes you feel like he's going to be just fine, you know, like, and yeah. they kind of left him alone in, in the first, in the end of the series six, I think. And the, the, the movie does a good job of that. There is another movie in 2022. I believe it was delayed with COVID. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, they're running trailers for it now. Or are they? I haven't seen any trailers. But... I saw before it already. Yeah. It was a, his trailer's out on YouTube. So I don't think it's that far from coming out. I think it's coming out in like January or February. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I'll be watching it because it's, it to me, it was, it, the first film was good. Um, I I would certainly see the second one. It's called Downton Abbey, A New Era. And uh, at the end of the Downton Abbey film, which is a bit of a spoiler, so I'll let people know, um, Violet Crawley tells Mary that she's dying. She's sick. They don't say what, I'm assuming cancer or something. Um, yeah. And I mean, I am sure it, at some level, it's probably just Dame Maggie Smith, who I believe is in her mid eighties retiring <laughs> and probably yeah. wanting to just, or being unable to perhaps, uh, continue her role on the show. And it also, um, 
I've heard an interview, I believe it was on um, Graham Norton, where Maggie Smith was doing a short interview about Downton Abbey and mentioning that, you know, they'd say like, she's no longer on the show and, or the show's been canceled. And she's like, well, it was getting a little bit ridiculous because this, this grandmother, this matriarch of the family was old when the show started in 19... 19- 10 or 1911 and then by the time the films are happening it's like 1930s so she's really old like old to the point where like she wouldn't be alive at that time because people wouldn't have been living that long you know um yeah and so it, it kind of made sense but it's just it's one of those things where like when that eventually happens it's it's one of those things where like i feel like even the films might stop because she's such a pillar in in the show um She's not in every scene, of course, but like she adds that little. The trailer I saw implied that they're going, she may not be in the whole movie. Let's just say that. Yeah, no, I, I get the impression that they're going to give her a proper send off would be my, would, yeah. would be my guess. Um, but anyway, like it's, it's one of those things where it's a comfort watch for me. I really enjoy it. I, it's, it's something that I know I'm a little nerdy about, so it kind of fits with what I talk about on the, on the series on, on Citadel Cafe because it's a historical drama. It's far enough in the past that it feels like fantasy, you know? Yeah. Um, even though the some of the events that are happening in it are real world events, but everything else is fictitious, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I recommend it. I'm looking forward to the films and I think it's just nice to go back and see just that level of acting and that level of writing. And if you're watching some modern shows, you're just kind of like, oh man, like this is this is rough. Like, why am I not liking this? You go back and you watch something like this. And you're like, Oh, now I know why now. Cause now I'm reminded this is what clever dialogue sounds like. This is yeah. what, um, a simple look from a Butler will make you laugh out loud, alone in your, aloud in your home. Right. Whereas other shows that are modern would have to like spell out the joke twice for you, you know, Moving on to the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will give you an invite to the member-only Discord server. Other benefits include website credits, thanks, and, of course, access to bonus episodes, which we have been recording more of lately. Patron count is currently at 21. If you'd like to be 22, then head on over to patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. My pick this week has to do with Lego and uh, the 2022 Lego sets have been announced. And uh, I went looking through a couple of websites. I'll have links to things like brickset.com, but obviously a number of links to lego.com as well. Uh, right off the bat, uh, there's a couple of new Star Wars sets. There is a Hoth ATST. Uh, now, I believe the previous ATST was based on the units from the Battle of Endor in the Return of the Jedi, and the Hoth designs are meant to look a little bit more cold weather suitable, but there's been some back and forth online about whether or not the design is an improvement or not, so we'll see how that uh, shakes out. But uh, Brickheads is another popular Star Wars, uh, I guess, design set from LEGO, and Ahsoka Tano from the Clone Wars has received her own brick set, um, or sorry, brick heads set. Uh, and that is is pretty cool looking, I have to say. Those are fun. I actually gave my sister the Mandalorian brick head set for Christmas last year. Oh, really? As far as the expert sets, these are the big modular pieces that are set on um, specific plate sizes that you can work into your little towns. Uh, the Boutique Hotel is the Lego set for uh, Creator Experts modulars in 2022. It is uh, set 10297. 
It's 13 inches high, 10 by 10 at the base. Uh, comes out in January, of course. Uh, priced at $200, at least in Canada. It's actually, it's over 3,000 pieces. Like it's pretty intricate. There's lots of uh, ornate details in the architecture of this. Wasn't really like making me champ at the bit to go get it, but it does look cool. Like there's obviously a lot of really cool design work that goes into it. And as a matter of fact, looks like some of the hotels that I've seen in Downton Abbey. <laughs> so <laughs> it looked very familiar. Um, there's a lot of other sets. Uh, there's quite a few Minecraft sets that are out for the folks uh, in your life that are into Minecraft and Lego. And they've done some really cool stuff. Uh, in Minecraft, there's um, animals that walk around, sheeps and foxes and chickens and stuff like that. The set that's called the Fox Lodge actually has a house built in Minecraft that looks like a large version of the fox, which I thought was pretty cool. It's it's definitely unique because I don't find that the actual um, play sets in Minecraft really help mimic the the player experience because the world in Minecraft is so big and the places in Minecraft can only be so big. Yeah. And so like a tree stuck on a plate with a couple of blocks on it doesn't really feel like Minecraft. Whereas these cool little custom builds, the really imaginative stuff that players do in the game does feel like Minecraft. So I thought that was kind of a nice nod. What's your pick this week, sir? Uh, this week I have the Humble Digital Tabletop uh, bundle that just came out this past week. Uh, I snagged this the day it came out. Uh, it's all video games on Steam that are in the vein of a tabletop board game. So they all play with cards or they all play like a board game where you move figures on a board taking turns. I haven't played all of them, but the ones I have played, I've had a really good time with. Cool. I haven't, um, I know there's been some tabletop stuff digitally, but I, I missed the Steam sale the other week. I didn't really, um, see anything. Uh, there wasn't a there wasn't a ton. Um, I think we're gonna get a better one coming closer to Christmas. So anything you missed out on at at a Black Friday time, uh, closer to Christmas you'll get a better deal. I think. I don't. Uh, the dungeon top one looks really cool. The art for that looks interesting. It reminds me of if you've ever seen Darkest Dungeon. The art for this looks like Darkest Dungeon. Yes, I have. Okay, that makes that makes sense. I've played Trials of Fire. It was the only one in the whole bundle I already owned. That is a very fun deck building game where you pick three adventurers and they go and you travel around on a map and all the battles are done in a mix of uh, like chess meets a, a card game. And you pick up new items and every time you equip your guy with a new a new sword or shield, he gets new cards for his deck, but you remove the ones from the pri prior piece of armor he had equipped. There's a huge learning curve, but once you learn the learning curve, it's a lot of fun. I've been wanting to grab more casual games like this. Um, it's a very casual game. You can play through like a playthrough of it in like an hour or two. Cool. No, that's cool. And and does Humble, is it this kind of stuff? Is this like benefit charity? Is that one of the bundles? Yep. Cool. And if but when you check out, you can adjust your donation to how much you want to go to the charity and how much goes to the publishers and how much goes to Humble itself. That's cool. That's nice that it gives people that control. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Lou and I talked about today at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show is composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, even YouTube. Word of mouth, of course, is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they can go to listen to it. 
My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can check out my other podcast all about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com. We'll have a new episode coming out on Monday. And of course, I will point you towards Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I've been playing Minecraft on the weekends, satisfactory during the week, and uh, looking forward to the newly unlocked Lego Let's Chat stream. So again, a big thank you to all of the kind people that supported in November. Uh, we have hit the subscriber goal, and so there's going to be some Lego building live on stream uh, coming up either this week or next. We'll see you then. Lou, where can people find you online? Easiest place to find me is under the name Busy Zombie Lord on all the social media that matters. And you can check out my show, Zombies Ain't My Podcast, where next week we're going to talk about the painfully hard to watch Walking Dead World Beyond, because supposedly it has tie-ins that are going to change the Walking Dead world. We'll We'll see about that. <laughs> you sound so hopeful. That show is so hopeful. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe, where we are fast, easy, and cheap, but you can only pick two.